0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Good day, everyone. This is Tony Moskal with your high school sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? As I said in the previous podcasts. I'm going to try and cover as many sports as possible. And this week, we're doing just that. Joining me is Crescenta Valley head cross-country coach, Rob Evans. Robs, Rob, thanks for joining me here on Believe.
1: Thanks for having me, Tony. I'm, I'm honored to be here and to be on this podcast. You're a great voice for high school athletics, so it's just great to be here. Thank you.
0: Looking forward to the conversation. Now, you've been involved in cross-country for a long time. You've also been a teacher for a long time. People say that our parents influence us. Your father was an exceptional coach, cross-country. Your mom was a high school principal for a long time. Is that what influenced you to become a runner, a coach, and a teacher?
1: Yeah, well, there's kind of a lot that went into that. And uh, my dad and I are still kind of coaching together. So he is—he just keeps, you know, coaching. I think uh, he's coached in, like, four different, five different decades from the 70s all the way, all the way till now. So uh, we're still coaching together at Crescenta Valley. And, and yeah, I mean, my mom was a principal of the high school when I was there. So it was a combination of just watching my parents kind of, you know, be involved in education their whole lives and having, you know, former students of my parents come over to the house and have dinner and just watching that really amazing dynamic of the impact that an educator can have on an uh, on a student and on an athlete's kind of life and experience um so that was certain played played a huge role and then i just find that you know as i reflect back that i just crossed paths with really you know influential and wonderful people from college professors to uh you know my college cross country coach that took their time to just sort of helped me see the world in a, in like a different way. And, uh, and it kind of had this profound impact on me. And it's just something I always kind of wanted to pass along to the athletes and the students that I was able to teach. So, um, so yeah, I mean, when I was a little kid, I'd always ask my friends like, oh, where are you going on a summer vacation this year? And they'd say, well, we don't have a summer vacation. I'm like, what are you talking about? And just because both my parents were teachers, I thought everyone got the summers off and we'd always go on these really wonderful vacations. So. It kind of started there and then just grew into uh, kind of something really special for me, uh, you know, as I kind of went to college and then got a teaching job and then wanted to go into coaching. Yeah.
0: And your mom is the principal at the school you attended. You must not have gotten into any trouble <laughs>
1: Well, you know, it was first when I got there as a ninth grader, she was an English teacher. And then by the time I was like a junior, she was a uh, she was the principal. So the the best thing about it was if I ever forgot money for for food, I could always find her on campus and hit her up and, you know, get a couple cookies for me and my friends at snack or lunch or something like that. So
0: that's awesome. And then find her in her office, dig into her purse and get that lunch money.
1: Exactly. Oh, totally. I was in there all the time
0: and your brother was also a runner and he you just informed me that he's no longer the head coach at UCI after 6 years it it's just a family affair isn't it and how cool was it for everybody to be involved with just the the sport and education itself
1: yeah yeah i mean it was really cool and i think if like when you're around cross country people a lot of a lot of cross country people have these stories where it was kind of this part of their life. You know, it's not just someone that goes on a run a couple of days a week, like you become a runner. And, and that, that means that it's this part of your life. And so, yeah, my brother and I coached together at, at Golden Valley for five years. And then he went on to coach at UC Irvine and was the distance coach down there. And, you know, my dad's been doing this from the seventies. And, you know, uh, my wife w- uh, was a runner and she made it to the state championship and track and field in high school and got eighth in the state. So it's kind of just this really special community that kind of like gives you life. And then it gives life to other things and and other connections to other people. Um,
0: And and as you're out there doing those long runs, sometimes I bet it feels like it's taking your life away from you.
1: (laughs) Well, I like to think that those long runs kind of create those bonds, you know, and you'll see it just with former runners that I talked to. And 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 we had a group in t- 2011 that went on to be the state championship team in uh, division two in California. But I mean, those guys despised the long run and they'd come back on Mondays after those long runs and they were so grouchy and, you know, we could barely talk to them because they were just so snappy, but it was one of those things where then you talk to them about like, Hey, what'd you guys talk about? And they're like writing a book on their long runs and creating this whole little fantasy world, you know? And it's like, this is just, a time to bond with friends. It just happens to also be a twelve mile run, you know. So, yeah. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. College <laughs> runner, what are the biggest things that you took away from your college experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, I ran at UC Irvine, and I just I learned that you just there's a big commitment to the sport. Um, kind of understand it at a different level than just, you know, being a high school runner, that there's this different commitment. And it wasn't just like something you did for three hours a day, you know, for practice, you know, that we had practice from two to five, but the really special runners were the ones who kind of committed to the sport 24 hours a day. And I, and I bet that happens in in all other sports as well. You know, there's, there's the, that level where, you know, they're just worried about it during practice. And then there's that next level of commitment where it becomes this lifestyle. And I think in college, that's really what you recognize, that people started to separate themselves by those who kind of were fully embracing this, this lifestyle and, and those that just kind of saw it as just something else that they did.
0: you got into coaching, what advice did your father give you as far as building a successful program or just as far as being a coach and how to deal with student athletes?
1: Yeah, I mean, for my dad... Uh, he never really sat down and, you know, told me like, hey, Rob, you got to do these three things. But it was something that he just kind of embodied um, as as something that I could watch. And I think the thing that I really took away from him was uh, that, that he had this real energy to him that was like pretty low key and mellow. And a lot of coaches, you know, talk to him about, Oh, you're so calm all the time, Mark. And, and gosh, you know, you know, you always, you're so patient. Um, but beneath that, there was this real competitiveness that, uh, that, that drove him, you know, and, and helped drive the teams. And it, and it always feels like the teams kind of take on the complexion of the coach. And there was always a real, like, evenness to the to the teams that he coached there were never like really super high lows and really or super high highs and super low lows there was always they were just kind of always you know in this middle ground kind of getting their work done and the funny thing about him I mean he's he was this phenomenal runner I mean he ran at San Jose State Um, He was a conference champion in the three mile race. He ran at the NCAA championship meet. He ran in races that Steve Prefontaine ran in. And uh, sometimes I'll talk to the runners out there, and, uh, you know, my dad never talks about himself. He never talks about, you know, he ran a 408 mile or how fast he ran for three miles. Uh, He never talks about that. And, uh, and, It's funny when you talk to the athletes and you're like, hey, well, you know, you ran 408 in the mile and he ran and meets Steve Prefontaine ran in. They're like, what? Like, we got to hear these stories, you know, but he's never one to to really put them out there. He's not driven by ego. And I think just watching that, watching the way it was always about the athletes, it was always about the kids. It was always about helping them grow as people and athletes at the same time that I think that kind of wore off on on me and even my brother. And something that we tried to kind of instill as we started coaching ourselves um, to, to not be driven by kind of our own desires or our own ego, but to make it about the athletes and, and help them become the best they could be. And I think
0: your desire, and we've known each other for years, and and all of our desires as coaches is, is to get our athletes better, is to bring the best out of them. And some people do it very quietly, and then there are those that, are a tad bit more boisterous than the mm-hmm. others. You taken on his personality?
1: Yeah, I, I think I think it's changed. I think a lot has kind of cha- taken, you know, has influenced my personality. I mean, when I first started coaching, there was a desire. You know, we're in the foothill league. We've got these teams that have you know competed at the highest level, and you know, we wanted to get out there and scratch our scratch and claw our way away into you know being league champions and to being one of the best teams out there. And that it took, it was a little bit of a process. And so, you know, we had this, we had a real competitiveness to it. But I think ultimately, you know, just taking a step back and, and trying to figure out how to best help the athletes, you know, I, I think I have taken on kind of that, that idea, that, that energy of, you know, not getting too high and not getting too low um, and just kind of moving, moving it forward day by day. Um, and I think as well, you know, a, a big impact has also been uh, the, the guy, the uh, Chris Prince, who's now the, the Golden Valley basketball coach. Um, when I got to Golden Valley, I, I said, oh, I'd love to, you know, coach cross country. I was like 23. I just finished at Irvine and they already had a, a cross country coach. So the first year I didn't coach in 2004. And then Chris Prince asked me if I would assistant coach for him. And I told him, look, Chris. I have like, you know, I played freshman basketball at Crescenta Valley, but I I have no other basketball knowledge. He said that's okay. I, you know, I just need someone to be there and to kind of take stats, and that for me was this amazingly transformational experience just to watch Chris kind of build this program from, you know, I mean, I think the first year they were like practicing in the junior high school gym because the high school gym wasn't even finished, but then in 2009 you know becoming league champions and and then again in 2010 and just kind of having these deep runs into the playoffs I mean I just got to be there and just got this like front row seat as I'm taking stats to just watch him coach and that was like this really powerful experience for me because I saw that like I mean he's a brilliant teacher and I saw that you could be this brilliant teacher but then also kind of connect with the students but also care deeply about their lives but then also have really high expectations and hold them to those expectations. But then at the same time, be like this human person um, who who the athletes respected and worked really incredibly hard for. So that was, yeah, yeah, that was a huge influence on me as well. And when you go
0: to those teams and you look at then what you did with cross country, what did you learn from Chris? Because they're two very different sports you know, cross country it's okay the gun goes off and you, they're on a pace. Hey, mm-hmm. be at that pace. I'll be out at this spot, then at this spot. But it's so much different than being in a basketball game where there's coaching going on for 48 minutes. Oh,
1: well, totally. Yeah. I mean, 2 minutes. Yeah, with timeouts and I think I think what I took away most was just his demeanor, you know, uh, talk about someone else who in the midst of in the heat of the game could be incredibly calm. You know, the other team could have gone on just like a 10 0 run. And, you know, you, you could tell that there was, there was this frustration that he had, maybe that, that the, uh, the players weren't executing the way that he knew they could, but there was never a blame. There was always, you know, Hey, we're just, let's, let's focus on the next four minute segments and, and let's get get back into this and let's chip away, you know? So there's that, that calm confidence that he had that, you know, he could have because he knew the type of work they put in and the, and what they could do in practice that i I think definitely carried over into cross country. and just having these high high expectations. I mean, he always mm-hmm. talked about, you know, being league champions and you know, doing something that the school hadn't done before. And then we could kind of do that in cross country and and say, you know, we want to reach a higher level at at a school that at that time, you know, it was really hard to imagine that that a team at Golden Valley early on could be competitive. Uh, But, you know, it didn't happen because they just decided one day. It happened because, you know, Chris was putting in the work in the junior high school gym in 2004 when nobody even knew who Golden Valley was. It, it just took a while to build that up. But he always believed it was there. And I think that that's kind of when we then got it rolling with cross country, kind of that belief, that confidence, and that, like desire to to, to reach a higher level.
0: How cool cool was it to be part of the the first league championship at Golden Valley ever, not just boys or girls, but Mm -hmm. ever go back to back and then have the success that you guys, you and Chris had in cross country. How cool was that? Not only for yourselves and to be a part of it, but just for the school in and of itself, being a new school And, and you guys in 2011, Go out and win a state championship.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was really cool. It was really special, and I think kind of the coolest thing about it was to watch the the kids, the kids on the team, you know, start to believe, and then the kids on campus get super excited. I mean, Seth Totten, uh, who was like our our star runner in like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I mean, he was like hanging out with. The most popular kids on campus, you know, and and it was just a different it was a different atmosphere because I think so many of the people at Golden Valley were so excited about, you know, athletic success. And, and here were these athletes that were putting in the work and, uh, you know, believing that that they could do something that the school had never done before. And it, it was hard. I mean, it was like super hard to to get the ball rolling from. You know, from a standstill in 2004. I mean, all these schools had like 30, 40 years head start on us, and uh, to catch up to them in you know three or four or five years uh, was really kind of a cool thing. I mean, we took over in 2007, and our team got fifth in the league. By 2009, uh, by 2009 we got third at the state meet. You know, and by 2011 we were state champions in Division Two. So it's like in five years we went from being you know this team that that was just an also ran in cross country and we had like you know our guys were working hard but we just couldn't compete you know in five years these athletes believed and they trusted and they put the work in um to turn themselves into you know a team that got you know 11th in the nation in 2011 so it was really kind of cool
0: Now, when you got involved in coaching did you have a certain vision of how you wanted to be what you wanted to do and how has that changed over the years with all of the experiences that you've had?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's so funny that it almost seems fortuitous that I that I didn't really get into coaching right when I thought I was going to get into coaching. I had this idea, I'd be 23, I'd be teaching high school and coaching cross country. And I think it was kind of lucky that it didn't work out that way. Because I got to, you know, watch my dad coach and and start to think, about how I would do things and and what he was doing so I could understand them better and I got to sit on the bench at basketball games and go to practice every single day to watch, you know, who I thought was the best coach on campus, Chris Prince, work, you know, and and that really helped me kind of set up my my philosophy and and the vision that, you know, that we eventually kind of put into place and working with my brother, we kind of put in this idea that, you know, like like both of those mentors, you know that it's always about the athletes. That we got to set high goals, and we have to teach, and we have to teach them how to reach those high goals. And we got to embrace the success and the failures on along the journey. But we got to enjoy that process. And and I think that that's something that you know, uh, I think I've changed a lot as a coach. I used to yell a lot more when I was younger. Now I almost never yell. I got two kids, so. I'm not really the yeller uh, that that maybe I used to be. And that's probably, that's a good thing. Um, But I think the one thing that has stayed pretty steadfast is just this idea that we're trying to, you know, reach these athletes at this hugely transformational time in their lives when they're high schoolers and everything is changing and to try to kind of usher them along this path where they understand what it takes to be excellent at anything so that then they can take those lessons into their lives and go be the best doctor or lawyer or you know whatever they want to be that they've they've had this foundation for well this is how you got to be really good at something cuz i had to work really hard in cross country or i had to work really hard in the classroom and there were these high expectations and i had to raise myself to meet them so they can take that on in their lives and and continue to reach those high levels that they want to reach um yeah so i mean that that's that's kind of where it started and and it seemed kind of ideal and pie in the sky when we started. Um, But I think each year it just like, it's a, it's reassuring to see, you know, when you hear back from former athletes you know, I was just emailing a guy that was on the first state meet team from 2008. I just text, he just texted me the other day and we had lunch and dinner with the 2011 team. And I still talk to Seth a bunch. So, I mean, they're just part of life, you know. And uh, to to watch them go on and be successful is just so amazing and so special.
0: Uh, thanks for joining us here on Believe. This is Tony Moskal, and we're continuing our conversation with Crescenta Valley head coach Rob Evans. Rob, when people like me look at cross country, I know that there's running involved, but there's also more than just running. There is so much strategy the mental game. What pace do you want to be on? How do you attack the hills? How do you attack the flats? How does that strategy work? And how do you explain cross-country strategy to a guy like me who, if he breaks a 10-minute mile, he's happy? (laughs)
1: Well, it's so funny because we'll be like on the track and, you know, the football coaches will come down and they've got all these like, you know, you watch them run practice. And it's just so fascinating to me, all these different things that are happening at the same time out there. And I'm just like standing there. And it's like, well, where, where, where are you doing right now? It's like, well, out on a 12 mile run. You know, like we'll go check on them and 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 see them out there to make sure everything's okay. But, you know, for the most part, that work is something that they have to do. Um, so by the time it, it gets to practice, a lot of those conversations about pace or those conversations about, Hey, what are we trying to achieve today? We've set up in like previous conversations and previous meetings. You know, we've shared our philosophy of how we're going to train and what a week is going to look like. Um, and and when it gets to the actual practice itself, it's kind of like eighty percent of the athletes just going out there and executing. And then it's also us as coaches kind of making tweaks as needed. Um, you know, oh like so and so is not looking so good today. You know, are you okay? Oh, I had four tests all right, well, let's cut out the last rep here. We're not worried about it. You know, let's let's get some more rest in. Um, so it's those types of like little tweaks that we can do. Um, but for the most part, I mean, we always say that, you know, it's the kids out there that are doing the work. You know, I mean, they're putting in the, the mornings that we have practice. And if we go two days, two, two runs a day, they're coming two times and they're going out for those long runs and doing the hard intervals and the hill sprints. So it is very much kind of centered on their ability and willingness and belief to be able to do it. And then when we get to race day, it's, we kind of like to, to think of race day as just you know, an extension of, of a workout. Hey, guys, we've been working on hills for the past six weeks. Ah, oh, there's a big hill in the middle of the race. Let's attack it like we do in our workouts. You know, this isn't something new. So we try to like expose them to all the different type of race circumstances that they'll encounter. Throughout the season, because during a race, we can't call a timeout and say, right, hey, right. oh, there's a hill here. We got to, like, change our arms this way. We got to drive our knees this way. So a lot of that kind of coaching happens before they kind of get on the line. And then when they get on the line, it's just kind of like they make it happen.
0: Now, how do you play in your I know they go on the long runs, and they also do track work. Like when my son was running cross-country, said, hey, what would you do today? He said, well, we did, you know, thousand yard repeats. What what is the difference, and what's the outcome you hope to achieve from a long run practice versus a a, a repeat where you're doing those eight hundreds or thousands? What what do you get out of each of those specifically?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, Tony was your son running in like the nineteen sixties when you still called them thousand yard repeats or something. I mean,
0: well, I know meters you know, I get it. I get
1: it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, when I mean, they
0: change 440-yard da- run to a dash, I quit.
1: I, I know, right? Like, I still can't keep track of it. Uh, I'm an English teacher, so the numbers don't – you know, I don't get it. I mean, we we try to break our week down so that we kind of hit a lot of the different type of, uh, you know, levels that they would hit in a race. So our long runs are, are super aerobic. So it's just go out and run for 80, 90 hour and 40 minutes and come back and we'll do some sprints. And then the next day we'll have like a a tempo workout, kind of like something more thresholdy, something that's kind of starting to get anaerobic, you know, where there's not enough oxygen to kind of fully replenish and fully uh, support the muscles. And they have to use the anaerobic energy system. So we kind of try to mimic a race as much as possible. Um, and even the way we set up our week and we set up the workouts so that they're mainly kind of just doing aerobic runs and then we'll throw in some hard hill sprints or we'll throw in some hard thousands that'll just kind of like really get their breathing going, really, really push their body to adapt to hard running.
0: Now, when, when they're faced with a different type of course, like when you go out and you run, I think it's Woodbridge, which is out mm-hmm. in Chino, that's a very flat course as opposed to when you get up to Fresno, that's a little more hilly and a little bit longer. What's the training protocol that you go through when you come up against a flat course, a longer course, or a hilly course? Do you focus on something more specific each week?
1: I mean, yeah, we do. I mean, especially at the end of the season, we definitely do get more specific to the type of course and the way we want to race that course. So for instance, now... The CIF finals are no longer at Mount Sac, which had three humongous hills. Now they're at Riverside, which is just pancake flat. And so the way in which you kind of approach that that course is totally different. So we'll have our workouts try to mirror, hey, we got to get out hard. So we're going to do this mile repeat and we're going to get out really hard. Then we're going to do four tempo 800s. So we're going to kind of like settle into a pace and, and get used to running fast, but running relaxed. And then we're going to do a hard mile at the end and just go all out. So it kind of mimics the, the strategy that we're going to want to use on the course that we're, that we're going to have for that week, especially at the end of the year. In the beginning, we're just working hard and, and we'll, we'll not worry about the, the intricacies of the course. But for us in, in La Crescenta, there's so many hills, it's kind of hard for us to find a really flat place to train. So sometimes we'll go down to the Rose Bowl, do some work at the Rose Bowl, or we'll get on the track. Um But almost every run we do has a pretty steep incline at some point, um so for us, we then use that to our advantage and we try to be a real strong strength based team um so that when we get to a course like the state meet, uh we can handle the hill that's you know about mile and three quarters into that thing
0: you you had some stud runners come through the program program at golden Valley. Seth tot comes tot and comes to mind right away his sisters, Wesley and Chelsea. And you mentioned you talked to Seth, and my journalism class wrote an article on Seth, and he finished fifth out of 16,000-plus runners to qualify for the Olympic trials. How awesome would it be for you to see, or all of us to see, one of your ex-runners and somebody representing Golden Valley High School in the Olympics.
1: Oh, I mean, it's it's phenomenal. And we kind of talked about that. The, the funny thing about Seth is that he he didn't even come to us until he was a sophomore. He played baseball his freshman year. And he came out in the summer of his sophomore year. And here's this, like, you know, tall, kind of lanky. But you could tell he was athletic kid. And we're like, oh, you want to you wanna run cross country? He's like, yeah, I want to get better at stealing bases for baseball. So we're looking <laughs> at this kid. We're like, all right, well, you know, this could be... You know, someone who's who could who could turn himself into a really great runner. And uh, needless to say, he never went back to baseball. But that first cross country season, his fastest his first three mile race was like eighteen twenty two You know, I think he was uh, he was sixteenth in league. And then by the time he was a junior, he had gotten second in league and he got fifth at the state meet. So we understood the desire that Seth had that junior, going into his junior year, we went up to Mammoth for like, you know, kind of a team bonding trip and a high altitude training. And we always meet with all the runners and set goals. And Seth's goal that year was to, was to be top 10 in the state in cross country. And we're, me and my brother are talking to him and we're like, all right, man, like, okay, now we've got a vision. We got, we know what we're shooting for. Now we're going to work to get there. And he, and he didn't want to share that goal with anybody because he shared it with like one or two people and they laughed at him. They laughed because they're like, oh, you're not, what are you talking about? You got 16th in league. How are you going to go from getting 16th in league and then one year later getting top 10 at the state meet? And it turns out he did. He got fifth at the state meet that year. And I think what it showed about Seth was, and what this kind of set for our program was that if you really wanted something and you worked for it, you know, you had to work really hard, but it was possible. And I think that was kind of a breakthrough for, for at least our program, that you could see someone who was just this really hardworking kid, and he could he could achieve something really great. So then, mapping that trajectory into college, he ran thirteen fifty in the five k, and he and he went to like NCAA West Regional, and then he became like this triathlete, and he got uh he got fourth in the duathlon world championships in twenty sixteen in Spain, and then. You know, obviously, just recently, he got fifth at that Dublin Marathon, runs 214. And it's just kind of really cool to watch him go from just a kid who came out to steal bases and turn himself into like a world class caliber athlete. And that was all Seth. That was all Seth. He worked so hard. And I think we got the early glimpse that when when he puts his mind to something, you know, he'll work to attain it. And I think every step of the way he has
0: great times at Golden Valley. You know, we, I'll be honest with you, man, we miss you there. That, that little Golden Valley dad's club we had with me, you, those days will never be replicated. That was awesome. But now you decide to go back to your alma mater at Crescenta Valley. How cool is it for you to not only be back at your alma mater, but, you know, kind of where it all started for you. It's kind of come full circle.
1: Yeah, I mean it's special. I mean, kind of the main motivator was to be closer to my kids and to be able to, you know, you know, go to their Friday flag ceremonies, which when I was out in Santa Clarita it was just tougher cuz now I'm now I'm just 5 minutes from actually a minute from their school as opposed to, you know, 35 40 minutes. So, that was kind of a really tough thing for me to wrap my head around leaving Golden Valley cuz I had really grown as the school grew. It was my first job, my first teaching job. It was my first year there was the first year the school opened, so there's this really special place it has for me. Um, and but but now being back at Crescenta Valley, I mean, it, it's been so long since I was there. Uh, it it feels different. I don't feel like I'm necessarily walking through the hallways that I walked through when I was 17. Uh, but it's definitely special, I think, to be part of the community in which I teach. And I think that was something that I was always kind of uh, gravitating towards was being a part of the community that I lived in and and you know impacting the the young people that were coming through my classroom and that I see at Ralphs and that you know I see when I run on Foothill Boulevard that there was this connection that I could that I could make with the community as a coach and a teacher that was harder when you're just 45 50 minutes away from from the school that you're teaching at but it's been it's been really cool and really special and uh, I think the the runners that we have there are really excited to continue to 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 move the program along and and to you know really reach high levels and you know we've we've started to do that so it's been it's been really cool.
0: Yeah, last year you guys end up ranked number five in Division One, which you know that's that, that there's some really really solid teams that Division One level. You know, I saw you up in Fresno a couple of times when my son was fortunate enough to run up there and 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 you're you seems like you're just doing a great job out there. What's been the most fun for
1: you? Um, I think I think just just being out there every day is something that I just really love. It's just really it kind of like fills my cup to be out there with these like uh, young athletes who are working so hard and have these high, high goals and high expectations for themselves and to just kind of be a part of that process for them. Uh, I mean, we went up to Mammoth this, uh, this past, like two weeks ago, we were up there and are and our, our, our really good. He's now a senior. Last year as a junior, Dylan Wilbur, he was CIF champion in the mile, and then he got eighth in the state meet as a junior. And, uh, and I'm asking him if he's excited about Mammoth. And, you know, all these kids that he ran with had just graduated. But he said that he bought 15 Rubik's Cubes online and he was going to bring them up to Mammoth. So here's Dylan Wilber, here's our best guy, and he's buying Rubik's Cubes and he brings them up to Mammoth. And he teaches like three quarters of the team how to solve a Rubik's Cube and then gives them the Rubik's Cube when when they figure out how to solve it. And it's like that was like the coolest thing, you know, to see all these kids surrounded around one of their peers and he's teaching them this really hard thing and they're figuring it out and they're going back to them day after day. And then he gives them the Rubik's cube when they're done. I mean, that, I mean, it's just so cool to be around them, the runners, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's like, it's, it, yeah, it fills my cup and it, and it, everything about it, you know, the competitiveness and trying to, you know, win a state title and, you know, trying to help these kids usher on into the next part of their lives. I mean, everything about it I just love.
0: And it's such a different sport than than a lot of other sports because you know, you're you're out there, you're in your own little world as you run, as you're training. Yeah, you've got a group of people that are with you, but it's really up to you. There's no there is a team aspect to it, but it's individuals their performance that matters. To help the team.
1: Oh, oh totally. And, and we talk about that a lot, you know, and, and it is a special sort of like synergy that's created when, you know, other people, other athletes on the team buy in and they see, you know, so-and-so working super hard. And then they're like, Hey, that makes me want to work hard. And so-and-so dropped 20 seconds off their time. Now I want to drop 20 seconds. So there's this snowball effect that it can have. And that culture is just so positive. You know I mean? There's really a celebration of improvement, um, and that and that that you can go to a race and and maybe maybe you didn't finish as high as Dylan Wilbur does, but you can still drop time or you can finish in a place that was better than you did before, and and you had success, you know, and that can then just again snowball for you, and all of a sudden you become kind of that next kid who nobody heard of that is now, you know, getting top five in league and maybe gonna go run in college. Um, so ah, it's just, it's a special group of, of runners in a sport where there is that kind of mutual excitement about everyone getting better.
0: Now, the, what's the biggest change in the sport that you've seen over the years? I remember when I was in high school, you know, you'd you'd hear the scores and you really didn't know how they kept score, but then you find out kids are crossing the finish line and grabbing popsicle sticks with a number on it. Now these kids are running with these things on their shoes and all this GPS stuff. How has technology helped change the sport for the better?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's great to go to meets and you can literally know as athletes are finishing exactly what place your team got in. And you can watch You can watch your team move up. You can watch it move down. um, You can get mid race splits for where your team is placed. So there's a lot of data now that, as a coach, you can crunch and you can share with your athletes. And you can say, look, your mile split for the second mile was a little bit slower than this group of runners. This is what we got to work on. And then we can go to a practice and we say, hey, we're going to work on the middle part of this workout because at the last race, we noticed that that was our slowest mile split. So there's a lot of benefit to having that data and being able to crunch those numbers and to have the kids run with GPS watches, we can we can be a little bit more exact in just the feedback that we get from them. So I will always ask them how did you feel first, you know, let's let's get that out of the way. Let's see how did you feel and then let's how, what was your pace? And let's try to map those together. Oh, well you felt good and you ran fast or you felt bad and your and your pace for this twelve mile run was kind of a little bit slow. Maybe you need some time off. Maybe how's your sleep going? You know, so it gives us a lot of data that we can then use to inform kind of both the the physiological and kind of the art of coaching uh, on a day to day basis.
0: That's it's crazy how just technology is is getting into every single sport. And how dependent we as coaches are becoming with it. And it does nothing but just, I think, help the athletes more. And it also helps us more, I think, which is great.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I can remember in 2007, we started coaching and we had these kids going on this run. And we thought it was a long run because it took them 70 minutes to do it. Well, we drive it in our car because that was the only way to map a run back in those days. And uh, it was like a six-mile run. So we're like, holy moly, okay, wait, it's taking them 70 minutes to run six miles. Here we were, we thought that, oh, we're, you know, there's like a eight, nine mile run. We're doing okay. So to be able to know how long a run is and then match that with their effort and their time and then use that to figure out, okay, what what do we need the next day? Do we need a hard workout or does the data say that maybe we need to just back off a little? Um, It's just really, yeah. I mean, even in my little short tenure of coaching, it's really changed a lot.
0: Rob, I just want to thank you again for taking the time uh, to talk about cross country, your program, your, your history, your family, and, and the great things that you're doing out at Crescenta Valley. And look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks again, and have a great season.